What's up, everybody? Welcome back. This is Cody Michael. I'm joined, as always, by Seth Ott. <sighs> Indeed, the season has started. We're underway. This, of course, is Socially Constipated. Welcome back to Gridiron Grunts. Uh, big show this week. We can waste no time. There's so much to talk about. Week one of the new season is in the books. We're going to recap all of the games, talk a little bit of storylines, uh, talk about some bets, and get you ready for week two, all hopefully in about an hour. So before we dive right in, don't forget to head out to the website, sociallyconstipatedpod.com. Check out the description for this episode. Uh, if you haven't already, you can click the link, join our pigskin pick'em. Uh, we did have a handful of folks join us last week, and actually we got beat by some listeners. So we'll give them a shout out in a little bit here. And check out on the website also our social media profiles and all of the episodes from our other shows under Socially Constipated. So you don't want to miss that stuff, but we're going to have to kick things right off, Seth, because we got a lot to get into. So let's fire up our bathroom reading for the week. Sitting on toilet. Sitting on toilet. So we've got week one. We're going to recap the games in just a moment. But first, a few of the headlines for the week. And let's start, Seth, in Jacksonville. We're going to recap their beatdown that they received at the hands of the Houston Texans. But they may have bigger issues, uh, specifically surrounding head coach Urban Meyer right now. Yeah, it's this is just kind of something that's a, a little bit more of a rumor right now. But especially with Urban Meyer, it's it, you know he has a history of when he was in college of kind of doing some jumping around and some wavering on decision-making. But just the other day, the head coach for USC was fired. And kind of a weird timing of it all. They brought him back. Like one of those things where he could have been gone or could have come back, or like could have gone either way, and they decided to bring him back. And then after one game, he's gone. And he had a fairly decent record. And so there's some rumors swirling around because that was the one job Urban Meyer apparently wanted in college football more than anything else. And there's some discussions and rumors going on right now, and it's coming from some people within the NFL, that Urban Meyer could potentially be heading to USC if that job isn't filled quickly. The other candidate is Biennemi from the Chiefs, their offensive coordinator. And so there's some interesting stuff going on right now with that USC job. I don't know if it's something where it's as early as, you know, this season that they go over or if it's next season, but I don't think... Urban Meyer is fit long for Jacksonville anyway. I think there was a six-year contract. I don't think I honestly don't think he'll be there next year, regardless. And I'm not, I, this isn't an overreaction to their loss. To me, it just does. It, I've never thought he's their long-term solution mm-hmm. to begin with. And with USC, if that's going to remain open or be open, I, I think that's something that he he does because if someone talked about it on a podcast that I was listening to today. Urban Meyer is an incredible recruiter, but guess what you don't do in, in NFL? <laughs> Recruit. Yep. That, that's what your GM does. Your GM signs people. The point of a coach is to coach your players and to scheme and to basically out-plan and prepare the other team, the other team's coach, with the talent you have and the scheme and all that stuff. And Urban Meyer's never been great at that. He's been great at having elite talent on his team. And he, he's a very successful coach. So I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but... There's just some guys that are better in college. Nick Saban is one of those guys. Mm-hmm. He has, look at him. They have a you know first-round quarterback and first-round wide receivers and linemen, all this stuff, go every single year. They have five or six first-round players go every single year. They turn over their roster like crazy, but every single year they get in the best five-star talent to come in there and 
what does he do? Recruit and just use that talent to the best of their ability. He's not going to be the best scheme, you know, scheme coach out there. He's not going to create the best game plan, but he will get the best talent. So that that's why I think Urban Meyer probably isn't going to be in the NFL next year. Yeah. I I tend to agree with you here, and this is something I think we even talked a little bit about earlier when we were uh, previewing the season. I've not been a believer in this hire either, certainly not for six years. That was so wishful thinking. He's not had any job for six years. Mm -hmm. I don't think he was at Ohio State or Florida for that long. And he's a guy, just like you said, this takes me all the way back to middle school basketball. Would you rather be the bench warmer on the A team or the star of the B team? And mm-hmm. sometimes starring on the B team is a little bit cooler. Yeah. This is the case. We saw it with Saban. You mentioned he tried in the NFL at the Dolphins and didn't go well. He went back and look at what he's done. All he's done is make right. fucking $50 million at Bama and win five title games. Yep. And I think he had, what did he have, four yeah. or five NFL starters from Bama <laughs> this last weekend. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, sometimes it is and- better to go play in that smaller pool. All he, he's done is solidify. Nick Saban has solidified himself as the best college coach of all time, college football coach mm-hmm. of all time. I, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any disputing that at this point. But again, it's because of his recruiting, and I think there was a time where Urban Meyer might have been considered that, and maybe he can get back to that point. But I, yeah, like you said, it's uh, in this case. I mean, I think, and I think a lot of people probably see these see it the same way. I mean, the college game and the NFL game are two completely different things, and. Yes, it's still football, but the way it's coached, the way it's played, ultimately is very different. That's why you don't see a lot of rookies come in and immediately be better. A lot of those rookies are probably faster, maybe not bigger, but probably faster and maybe a little bit more athletic than some of the NFL guys, but they're not better players yet. That takes time. And so there's difference in that game. I don't think it's bad to be a, the best college coach or the best NFL coach and like not be able to transfer that one you know, back and forth or anything like that. Plus, Urban Meyer is going to end up making a whole shitload more money in college than he is in the NFL. I know he's making a decent contract right now in, in the NFL, or a really good one, I think. But he's going to make way more money in college over the years, I think, if he continues to coach. Yeah, totally. Get a nice lucrative deal at USC. Now, that said, I love Enemy. I would love for him to get a head mm-hmm. coaching job. I would like for him to stay in the NFL. But if he got – if Enemy did well recruiting in Southern California – and just all of the West Coast, which for me right now seems like it doesn't have a powerhouse. And so it's not like you're going into the SEC and trying to recruit, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. You're going into the Pac-12 and trying to recruit. You get some talent in there, and I, I would love to see Biennemi and what he could do offensively with a really creative scheme out there. Or Meyer, you know, getting every best recruit and kind of putting USC back on the map. I can see that probably as his crusade is how he would see it. But it's a shame. I would expect he would finish the year. I, I don't know why you'd fire a first-year head coach in the middle of the year or he would quit. That would be pretty fucking uncool. That's, but maybe. I don't know. I, they won't fire him, but I could definitely see him quitting. Did, I mean, didn't he do that in college where he just retired, at, like, midseason? Or not? maybe not midseason, but towards the end of a season? He might have. I, I want to say he had, like, a health scare at one point yeah. when he was at Florida and then just, like, didn't come back maybe. So, yeah, I guess maybe maybe he doesn't see it as, you know, he needs to finish the year out. Pretty fucking annoying for everyone else in Jacksonville. He could go uh, he could go to USC and have an incredible career. I'm never going to have respect for him again if he does that because that's a lot of other yeah. people who were counting on you to be around. And f- like you said, forget that they lost. 
they made plans around you for play to get players that you could coach in a scheme that you could coach and to just dip on that fucking sucks. So I don't know. I, I never thought he was going to be great in the NFL. So I'm not going to be upset if his tenure is short lived, but there is something to be said for fulfilling your commitments. And so if he doesn't do that, I don't, good riddance. I don't watch USC football anyway, so I, I don't really need to worry about Urban mm-hmm. Meyer much. So Urban pretty uncool, but it sounds like Eli and Peyton Manning, still very cool. NFL (laughs) darlings, legends already, the two of them, personality-wise and on the field. And I was really excited about this. I didn't get to watch, but there was, of course, the alternate telecast for Monday Night Football. Mm -hmm. So instead of watching Steve Levy and the guys who, by the way, I like those guys just fine. I think they're all good at their jobs. I don't think they're a good team. They're they're each of them is kind of boring. Yeah. Like you you got to have a little yeah. bit of a wild card in the booth whether it was Gruden or like Romo or or Collinsworth. You got to have someone in there that might say something crazy. And yeah. none of those guys do that. Even Booger McFarlane I thought was at least interesting even though I hated every one of his takes. So I, was I say, like that's the only reason he was interesting is cuz he was so bad. Yeah. Yeah, his takes sucked. <laughs> I hated that shit. But Now you have the option, instead of listening to those guys, you can flip over to watch Eli and Peyton Manning commentate. I didn't see this, but I did see a lot of social media buzzing about a couple of clips. You caught a little bit about this. What what was your take on week one with the Mannings? I watched pretty much the whole thing, or at least had it on, kind of listening to them. I think I texted you this. It felt like a Manning Brothers podcast with some football going on in the background. And I mean that in a great way, because those two, listening to them first and foremost talk football like they were literally just sitting there talking they were breaking down plays every once in a while or whatever but they were just like appreciating the game they were talking about players they really liked they were telling some incredible stories stories of them playing they brought on ray lewis who had an awesome story hmm. with eli when or during eli's rookie year they brought on charles barkley for some reason they brought on travis kelsey to talk some stuff and they brought on um, russell wilson at the end and hearing like Russ and Eli and Peyton talk quarterback play, uh, especially at the end of that game, the fourth quarter in overtime with everything going on with Lamar and Derek Carr, like awesome, awesome stuff. So, I mean, yes, they talk football and they go deep, you know, a little bit deeper than, than probably doing Monday Night Football in terms of like some of the plays and breaking down coverages and all that stuff. But then the stories of like just hearing behind the scenes stuff, there was a story about Peyton told the story of, of the season, the off season where he was kind of deciding where to go after Indy and how like the Niners brought him in for a, for a tryout and how like some, some story with like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that got brought up where like one of the Shanahan brothers had asked for it or something like that, like really weird out there stories in the middle of a football game, like in the second quarter of a football game, he's just telling stories about sandwiches, like <laughs> hilarious stuff, but then also very insightful in depth stuff. Like, if they did this for every single game, I'm watching this every time. Yeah. And I think they probably anticipated this being a bad game. And so they didn't they, they probably brought this on for the first one because they know like a lot of Monday Night Football games, for whatever reason, are like the matchups are weird, right? Yeah. And so I think bringing these guys on for some of the lower lower met because they're only doing 10 games, I think, total. So bringing them on for some of like the maybe the potential lower rating matchups, I think is genius because they are just entertaining as hell. And they bring in all these guests they're cracking jokes at each other, making fun of each other. Eli had to, of course, dig on Peyton for his big-ass head. <laughs> Just, like, all kinds of hilarious stuff. I loved it. I will watch this every single time they are doing a Monday Night Game. I will be watching that without a doubt. I can't wait to check this out myself. The alternate telecast. When we did, they did Nickelodeon, 
last year. Huge hit. Everyone mm -hmm. loved it. I want every version of this. Every version of the alternate telecast. Give me some ladies in the booth. Ladies only. And, yeah. and have that be an alternate. Give me some fucking kids. Give me like some 15-year-old kids commentating and have the kids turn on that one. Give me one where they can cuss and fucking hire me for that yeah. one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just do it all. Like, take the game. It's the best way you can take the game without changing it, without really adding a lot of cost and make it digestible for people who otherwise it wouldn't be. It's not just, mm -hmm. it can't, you can't just, you can't support what the NFL's goals are right now by counting on middle-aged dads to keep the league mm -hmm. going in the direction it is. You're going to have to get young folks. You're going to have to get the ladies. And this is a great fucking way to do that. And you're right. No one was going to watch the Raiders against the Ravens. Certainly not with, with those, the guys in the Monday Night Football booth, who again, Great guys at everything else they do. I just think they're boring as fuck as a unit. <laughs> yeah. I love this. Can't wait to check it out for myself and give me every other alternative telecast that you have on deck. Just yeah. do it all. I, I want to see every single one of them. Give me all the legends and the stories. And, you know, if the game's six to nine, then give me some other shit to think about than how bad the teams are. I love this. I'm waiting for the first blowout game and those guys just to fucking go off the rails the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, just let them go off. This mm -hmm. game, I'm sure, kept their attention on football. but Yeah, it was an awesome game. Yeah, we're going to get to that in just a second when we get to our recaps. First of all, though, before we leave, I got to touch on SoFi Stadium, man. Like, <laughs> this place is unreal. Like, the, the gap for me, and I recognize that I'm going to sound kind of like a homer, but fine. I remember, Seth, when we went to U.S. Bank Stadium for the first time, I remember thinking... This is way better than every other stadium that I've been to. And if you took that gap between every other stadium and U.S. Bank and then put it U.S. Bank up again by that same gap, it's SoFi Stadium. Like, mm -hmm. even just the five-year time gap between those two stadiums going up, I could see some of the differences in how the tech worked and how it was laid out, and it was awesome. Like the sound the in there money. for one thing is insane. Yeah. Five and a half billion dollars will get you pretty far yeah. uh, when you're building the yeah. stadium <laughs> and they had all the space with which to build it that they wanted because it's, it's out in Inglewood. There's nothing right around it. The open air aspect, you could feel the breeze come through. You felt it get cool as the night went on and even cooler than that though, night games at this place, fucking insane. If you ever get a chance to do mm -hmm. a night game here, because you can see, I'm sure they had some shots on Sunday night football of the roof of the stadium and you can see the lights playing off of the roof. It's way cool to see from the inside as well. And my seat is pretty close to the ceiling. So um, <laughs> the what, what they're doing with the lights in there, what they're doing with the music. Also, I'm like five rows from the back of the stadium and I could, I could read the numbers on the jerseys. So it wasn't even like... You know, they're building these up now instead of out as you mm -hmm. get higher. And so I could see all the action perfectly. And what I couldn't see, which was rare, usually is someone standing up in front of me was the only reason I couldn't see the screen, the, the Oculus screen that they have. I've never seen anything like it. They it's so clear and so creative. Some of the different packages and things that they do on there. There was one where a ball there was like a, a video on there where they threw a ball from like one end zone and then you saw it track all the way across that screen, which goes the length of the whole fucking field to the other end of the field. It was just it's stuff you you can't do in other places. And it worked well enough with, you know, the concessions. It's all cashless. So that was kind of interesting. Um, oh, cool. There's a shitload of Wi-Fi. I had great coverage. I was able to text you throughout the game. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I was wondering that. Read fantasy, stuff like that. It was really nice and easy. They have a ton of like different VIP areas and things you can get into. If you're staying at this hotel, you can go to this VIP lounge. If you're a part of SoFi Bank, you can go to this VIP lounge. So I'm going to try all that shit over time. But we're going to talk about the football in a little while. But just like so many little moments in being there for the first time. I'll never forget it. It was fucking insane. And anybody who has a chance to go to SoFi for any reason, even if it's not your team, you got to do it. It's just so fucking cool. Hard to quantify without just sounding like I'm blowing the Rams, but this place <laughs> is pretty dope. I'm sure they were talking a lot about it too on the on the broadcast. Everything they're saying mm-hmm. about it is true, I guess, in summary. Yeah, between that and the, the Vegas stadium, it's there's a lot of good football uh, venues going on right now, good places to, to catch some games. So yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited to get out there and, and see what that's all about. Yeah, man, that's going to be great. And, you know, they got some pretty goddamn good football getting played there too, but we'll come back to that in just a second. <laughs> so SoFi Stadium, Eli and Peyton Manning, good. Urban Meyer, eh, kind of stinky. That's what we got for the headlines this week. And so we'll wrap up our bathroom reading there. Sitting on a toilet. Now flush. All right, Seth, take a deep breath and a big gulp of water, because we're going to fly through some game recaps here. That just happened. That just happened. Did we win? All right. <laughs> Forgot about that one. I know. I, I, I forgot until I saw it on the board. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Let's use that one again. Thursday night football, we had the kickoff game. Dallas played at Tampa. Tampa wins this one 31-29 on a game-winning fourth-quarter drive from Tom Brady right after what would have been a game-winning two-minute drive by Dak. So uh, really, Mm -hmm. really good football to kick off the year. Fun game. Dallas does cover. Plus six and a half was enough to get you the win. So if you picked Dallas, you were a winner on this one. I think, Seth, we're seeing probably two of the top four or five best quarterbacks in the league. Dak is back, and I see no lag in his game right now. This is a Dallas offense that doesn't feel like it needs to hand it to Ezekiel Elliott, but they are going to be really fun to watch. Amari Cooper had a massive mm-hmm. fucking game. This defense still stinks, but they Dallas's game this year. And so if they can figure out a way to win these close ones, watch out for them. On the Tampa side, Tampa was Tampa. Like I was surprised by nothing that I saw from Tampa. Mm-hmm. So that this was a close game, Seth, does it tell you much about who Tampa is or who Dallas is? Obviously, Dak playing as well as he did with 400 yards and three scores. Were there any surprises, any takeaways from you for this Thursday game? I would say I'm I'm a little higher in the Cowboys than I was going into it, just because, yeah, like you said, Dak hasn't missed a beat. Might be better than he was. That offense is awesome. I know um, Michael Gallup is out for a while, but that Cedric Wilson actually played pretty well. They're, they're, I guess they're now third wide receiver for a little while. Had a couple of good plays. While, yes, they gave up 31 points and couldn't stop Tom Brady, who fucking can, <laughs> yeah. the Bucks might have, they probably do have, well, it's hard to say. There's so many great offenses, but they're one of the best top three offenses out there. So it's going to be hard to stop them regardless at home on the first game of the season. Micah Parsons, though, yes, he had a play that looked bad. I, I think he's going to be a, a difference maker for the Cowboys. They had turnovers in this game, which they didn't at all last year which is making me think Dallas is a little better than I and I think we've maybe given him credit for in the offseason. So I'm excited to see where they go. Tom Brady, though, it's like that dude is still fucking unreal. He's 45 years old or whatever, and he chucked a 60-yard like in the air at the end of the, at the uh, end of the first half. It was an interception, 
but he fucking had a little bit of a get up, threw it as far as he could from the the from his own forty yard line and made it to the back of the end zone. It was over a sixty yard throw, and it was like, how is this dude doing this still? That's to me is the craziest thing. Is he still has so much zip and power on his throws at the age he had that at the age he's at. That dude is going to be playing until he's 50 and probably won't lose any power in his arm. So Tom Brady's still Tom Brady. That defense is still really good, even though they gave up 29 points. But I think the takeaway mostly is the Cowboys are maybe a little better than we thought. Yeah, I would agree. Brady's Brady, man. It's fun. Like, that he physically still has it is one thing, but he is so locked in mentally. They sh- they showed a shot of yeah. him w- right before he went out for the game-winning drive, and he just looked like... Well, he looked like he was going to jack someone in the head is what he looked like, yeah. and he fucking did. So uh, pretty crazy game. Great kickoff, and Dallas covers there. We'll go now to Atlanta. Now, I picked Atlanta and was thoroughly disappointed. You had the Eagles and were correct <laughs> on this. They went 32-6 to in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. balls, 27-35, to 264, three touchdowns, and then 62 yards on the ground. I'm going to ask you this question in a second, Seth. I think the answer might be both. Eagles better than we thought or Atlanta worse than we thought? What do you think? I thought the Falcons have been terrible from the beginning. I saw a lot of people kind of being on them this game, and I was very confused as to that because I saw nothing out of the Falcons last year that made me think they were a good team, and they only got worse. They lost players. How are they supposed to be good? Like they added Mike Davis. Ooh, big deal. Kyle Pitts. Okay. He's a first. He's a first. He's a he's the first tight end drafted in the in the first five picks since like the '60s. He's a freak and he's going to be awesome, but he's not going to be a difference maker right now. That team is bad, very bad. The Eagles. I I mean I'm I'm surprised. I thought they would win, but not like that. I think that team is going to. We'll see how real they are in the coming weeks, but they're only going to go as far as Jalen Hurts takes them. Mm-hmm. I do think uh, that he looked really good. But it was against the Falcons' defense. So we'll see. Devontae Smith looked really good as well. They actually have a really, really good set of uh, offensive weapons between Devontae Smith, who looked good from the beginning, Jalen Rager, who was a first-round pick last year, Miles Sanders is a stud. They still have Dallas Goddard, and Zach Ertz is still there. Kenneth Gainwell actually played. He had a couple sparks. They have some really good offensive talent. Their line is okay, but their defense is bad. And I... I it, it'll be as far as Jalen Hurts takes them at this point, I think. So are they better than we thought? Maybe, but wait and see on them. Yeah. I'm excited to see more Eagles. They they were exciting, the clips and, and highlights yeah. that I saw. So can't wait to see more yeah. Hurts, and maybe they will surprise some teams. I don't know. Let's go to Buffalo. Disappointing first week for the Bills here. <laughs> Josh Allen throws 51 times, only 270 yards and a touchdown. They yeah. still don't feel like running the ball which I, I think may end up being a problem for this team. Now, the Eagle or the Steelers have a really good defense, so they hemmed them in pretty nicely. Steelers also capitalized mm-hmm. on a punt block for a touchdown because they yeah. did not score in the first half. The Bills' defense was really hemming them in until the second half. They got uh, one really good catch by Deontay Johnson, which ended up being the game winner. And so I'll ask you the same question again, Seth. Disappointment for the Bills – surprising optimism for the Steelers, neither or both. It's interesting because the Steelers started, what, 10-0 and last year, mm-hmm. and it was on the back of their defense, and that kind of fell off towards the end of the year. I didn't see anything out of Big Ben. Hell, even their running game. Like I like Najee Harris, but the Bills kind of kept him in check for the most part. I think the key to this game 
was the pressure they were getting on Josh Allen. Josh Allen had no time. He was getting hit that he couldn't run the ball either, which is a big part of his game. It's being able to go on the move and throw on the move and, and create some plays with his legs. And they weren't letting him do that. I don't know how much TJ Watt played in this one because he had just signed his contract, which was fucking an insane contract, but luckily they signed him to it. But basically Josh Allen had a lot of pressure on him in this one. So that might be the key to stopping Josh Allen this year. Like you said, they don't they don't try to run with their running backs a lot. I know they actually had a weird healthy scratch for Zach Moss, who was one of their higher picks a couple of years ago. So Devin Singletary led the backfield here, and, and typically they kind of split carries. So we'll, maybe they're trying to play around with that a little bit. I'm not worried about the Bills yet. I, th- I think some people might have hit the panic button, especially in Buffalo. Not quite there yet on them. I, th- I think the Steelers' defense is very, very good. So... Again, kind of a wait and see on both teams. I think they're both going to be, you know, in the top halves of their divisions. But, you know, was this what week one jitters? Was this because of maybe just one specific scheme? Not quite sure on those ones yet. By the way, you asked about TJ Watt. Two sacks is all he did. Yeah. <laughs> so pretty good. Don't remember if it made the final cut of the show last week, but we were saying, I don't know if he's going to be effective in this one. Yeah, no, we were wrong. He got two sacks, <laughs> which uh, if you're thinking that's the best day a defensive player had, just you wait, <sighs> wait a few games and we'll talk about another yeah. guy. Let's go to, I hate to do it to you, pal. Uh, we got to go to Cincinnati. That's all right. The Bengals. Bengals are winners in overtime, 27 to 24 over your Vikings. Joe Burrow has a pretty nice game, 20 of 27, yeah, 261 and two scores in his return. Joe Mixon, I think was the running back My of the boy. week. 100, 127 yards and a score for your fantasy team. Jamar Chase in his first game, five catches, 100 yards and a touchdown. T. Higgins, another touchdown. Bengals really looked good in this game offensively mm-hmm. from what I saw. Vikings, not so much. Kirk Cousins, I know he had early struggles, eventually ends up with 350 yards and two scores. Dalvin Cook, 20 carries, only 61 and a score. Two touchdowns for Adam Thielen. What did you see in this one, Seth? Or do we need to to think about next year for the Vikes or are the Bengals better than you expected? <laughs> I think a little bit of both. That offense needs to get something figured out, and that's even going back to the preseason for the Vikings, sorry. The Vikings offense needs to figure something out because – Going back to the preseason, they haven't looked good even with the starters in there. They were missing their first-round pick, Christian Derrishaw. He is their starting left tackle when he's healthy. He's still kind of recovering from a core injury from college. So we'll see what happens there. I could see him not playing for a while, potentially. They're kind of doing some weird shifting around with the offensive line right now, which has been the issue for that offense for a while. So Cousins was under a lot of pressure. I think the defense, although you know they gave up 27 to the Bengals, I still thought the defense played really well compared to what they were last year. They had, they were getting a plenty of pressure on Burrow. I think they had might have still had like five sacks against him. Michael Pierce, who was the holdout from last year, had two sacks, and he's a defensive tackle. He was doing this sweet fucking like juke move, like where he just pushed guys out of the way and then right and, and went right after the quarterback. So I'm excited about that defense uh, moving forward. The offense, though, needs to get something figured out because the other issue here, the main issue here, was I think by the end of the game there was something like 15 – accepted penalties against the Vikings they beat themselves very badly here and so that I don't think that 27 points would have been put up with basically 150 yards of penalties against the Vikings I think this would have been a little bit closer or potentially more on the Vikings side of things if there wasn't that many penalties that's still an issue and a bad problem for the Vikings they need to get that figured out and I know Zimmer was pissed but ultimately I think there's things that they can fix immediately that can get them in better positions to win games moving forward especially that defense playing a lot better than last year and the Bengals side offense looked fantastic even with the pressure Joe Burrow looked great got hit and got right back up 
He did have one play where he kind of limped off, but ultimately was okay. Jamar Chase does not have the drops right now. He looked really good. Joe Mixon looked fantastic. That offensive line actually played better than expected. I think the Bengals are, you know, they're not going to be a playoff team, but they might win maybe six, seven games this year. Yeah. Which I didn't think that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you're going to have to go revisit that over, over under from the beginning of the season. Take a look at what that's at now. But Bengals Vikings, pretty good game came down to the wire there. The Detroit Lions hosted the Niners. This did not come down to the wire. It actually did. The Lions had the last. Uh, they could have tied it up. They had they had the ball to end the game. I did. I I flipped on flipped this on when it was like fourth and long, uh, and they were on the Niners side of the field. Detroit ends up losing this thirty three to forty one. So they had a chance to go in get two point conversion and tie it. They were down thirty one ten at halftime, and then came flying back. Jared Goff ends up throwing yep. it fifty seven times in this game. Three thirty eight and three scores. So a huge stat line for Goff. I don't know if you remember some Jacksonville Jaguars teams from a handful of years ago with Blake Bortles. And yep. they was they were shit teams, but they had to throw it a ton. And so there was yep. massive fantasy value. I think that is the Detroit Lions. I think they'll be fun to watch. Yep. I don't yep. think they're going to win a lot of games, but Goff is going to put up some numbers. He may flirt with, you know, some passing, maybe yardage lead this year. But for the Niners... They came in and did what the Niners do. Raheem Mostert goes down early, but Eli Mitchell steps in, goes for 104 yards and a touchdown. Jimmy Garoppolo throws for 314 and a score. They had some long touchdowns. Debo Samuel had a huge game. Kittle had four for 78. So San Francisco was San Francisco. Trey Lance even gets in, throws a, throws one pass, five-yard touchdown. So he should probably mm-hmm. quit while he's ahead. Yeah. But I remember saying, I don't think the Niners blow them out. I think it's a close game. I was pretty fucking wrong about this most of the time. I very nearly got the yeah. Lions plus seven and a half to hit. Backdoor cover. Yeah, damn near. Damn near got it. So for me, Seth, I wasn't surprised by anything I saw here. Niners being Niners, Lions being Lions. Did you have any takeaways? A little surprised that the Lions put up as many points as they did, though, against the Niners. The Niners are supposed to have a top five defense, and they gave up 33 against the Lions. I know it was gar- a lot of garbage time at the end, and there were some backups in there, but still surprised the Lions put up as much as they did because – Name or, again, name a receiver on that team. Can't do it. Like you said, though, I think there's been a lot of comparisons already to like the Jacksonville team. So Jared Goff will throw a lot. I think DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, and TJ Hawkinson will get plenty of targets and, and catches. Speaking of that, that Lions defense, they also just lost their first-round pick from last year, Jeff Okuda, for the season. He's done. So that defense is only going to be worse. So if you have any fantasy players, have any bets you want to make, Make sure you attack that defense for the Lions. And then on the Niners side of things, Raheem Mostert is out for the year. Thanks, fantasy team. It was originally eight weeks, something with his knee, I think cartilage in his knee. He's just decided to forego the entire season. He's, I think he's 29, so he might not have a ton of time left. So I think he's just trying to you know maximize the time he does have. But they, they have that Trey Sermon who is inactive just as a healthy scratch. And then that Eli Mitchell is a sixth-round rookie. And they've apparently really like him, and he played very well. So he'll probably lead the backfield for a while. So ultimately, not too much of a surprise, but maybe a little bit of surprise in terms of how the Lions played. Yeah, could be some fun Lions games ahead. They got the Packers this week. Yeah, and that might be – well, we'll get to the Packers in a second. That might be a better game than we were thinking. We got Tennessee. We thought this would be game of the week, Seth. We were very wrong on this one. Tennessee got their cheeks clapped by Arizona. <laughs> this was a beatdown. 38 yeah. to 13 in Tennessee. Kyler Murray comes in, scores five touchdowns, four through the air, one on the ground. DeAndre Hopkins has two scores. Christian Kirk 
the other two receiving touchdowns. For the Titans, Derrick Henry, 17 carries, 58 yards. Love seeing that when you drafted yeah. him with the number four pick, Cody. Goddamn idiot. <laughs> Tannehill looked bad. Titans looked bad everywhere. Cardinals looked great everywhere. Seth, this looked like, I don't know, maybe I'm overreacting. I know it's overreaction week after week one. This looks like a fucking Super Bowl team with the way that they handled Tennessee. Kyler Murray is sharp as hell. Yeah. Don't forget, by the way, Chandler Jones, five sacks, oh. five sacks in this game. You had pointed out Tennessee may have earned him some money just by how poorly they yeah. they blocked this weekend. Yeah, they, I think they just, I mean, they definitely handed Chandler Jones the lead in sacks for probably a month. So <laughs> there you go. Taylor Lewan, I think, is the guy. Yes. That is the tackle there. Yep. Who is typically regarded as one of the best offensive linemen in football, but he's, I think he's a little older. I know that line had some changes too. I don't think they brought back Will Compton. So they're, I think that line is going to be a little bit of a problem for the Titans this year. I think they have a little bit of some, maybe some learning curves with the new offensive coordinator and stuff. We'll see on the Titans. The Cardinals, though, like you said, they're, they're looking good. Kyler Murray is playing just insane football. Looking at some of his highlights, of there's like one highlight that was probably 10 or so seconds that he had the ball. And he's getting chased down, running backwards, running forwards, running to the side, and then fucking throwing a laser to DeAndre Hopkins. It's like, what this guy, I know he's always looked really good, but there's something about the way he was playing football on Sunday. It's like, he's doing it consistently. He's making these plays consistently, and he is just slinging the football right now. He's doing everything out there. So, a lot of fun to watch with Kyler. That defense is playing super well. Buda Baker played well, and then Chandler Jones. I mean, he's the guy that was wanting to hold out at the begin that uh, at the beginning of the off or the uh, of camp and stuff because they weren't paying him, and they brought JJ Watt in. Pay the fucking guy right now because he <laughs> just basically won you that game in terms of keeping the Titans out of it and letting Kyler do his thing. So, yeah, I, I like the Cardinals a lot. I have this this season. I didn't like them as much as apparently they have belief in themselves but they might have just beating the titans have replaced the titans because like the last couple of years the titans have been like the team that i'm like i i really like them they have a lot of up-and-coming promise and stuff like that i think that's the cardinals now i think the cardinals are just the most one of the most fun teams to watch in the nfl yeah i can't wait i texted you during or at the end of this game i was on the fence about whether or not i was going to go down to la to watch arizona play the Rams in a few weeks. I'm fucking going to that one. I got to see this <laughs> in person. These guys look nuts. J.J. Watt was effective in this. He had a couple big plays. Only two tackles, but they were important ones on Henry. So watch the fuck out for the Cardinals. And for Tennessee, they got some stuff to figure out going into week two here. So do the Colts as they yeah. open up with a loss against Seattle. Seahawks came in and won 28-16. to Russ was cooking in this one. 18 of 23, 254, and four scores. 91 yards on the ground for Chris Carson. And Tyler Lockett had 100 yards, two touchdowns. D- DK Metcalf had 60 yards and a score. This was the Seahawks that you hope you're going to get if you're a Seahawks fan. I think they looked really, yeah. really nice. For the Colts, Carson Wentz a little bit disappointing. 25 of 38, 251, two scores. Jonathan Taylor leads in rushing with 56 yards. Also led in receiving with 60 yards here. So... I'm not sure what the takeaway is for the Colts. Uh, this this could be, you know, they're still getting into a rhythm. It could be Wentz still getting into a rhythm. Haven't had a lot of time to prep. There's only one turnover on each side, so it's not like they were giving it away a ton. And they possessed the ball mm-hmm. more than Seattle did. So 
I don't know. Seattle showed me something, though. They, they gained some points in my book. The, the worry that I have with the Colts right now is they go to L.A. this weekend. And spoiler alert, I'm picking the Rams. Yeah. This could be an yeah. 0-2 Colts team that is going to start asking some questions about itself. Do you think that's fair mm-hmm. or patience, patience, patience on the Colts right now? The thing that worried me a little bit more in this case was that Wentz was getting pressured a lot. And that was the reason he came to, to, to the Colts, basically, is that they had one of the best offensive lines in football. And he was getting hit a lot. If he's going to be pressured a lot, it's basically going to be playing with the Eagles again. And maybe with a little less talent in terms of the receiving core. So I know they're getting Eric Fisher now. It sounds like he'll be ready to go potentially this week, which they're going to need him against the Rams. So... We'll see. That's one of those things is if that offensive line can, you know, maybe gel. I know like Quentin Nelson's been out for a while. Eric Frisch will just be coming in. Ryan Kelly was on the COVID list for a while and was hurt and stuff. So I think maybe once they get a little healthier and gel together again, they'll be a lot better. Seahawks, this happened last year. They they started off the season, first eight games. They let Russ cook. If they continue to do that all season, I think that they can be as good of a team as we saw on Sunday against a pretty damn good Colts defense. The, the Seattle defense also played pretty well. They're getting a lot of pressure on Wentz with maybe just a couple guys like Wagner. Jamal Adams played well, but they got to stay healthy in terms of that defense. They're very thin on defense. And if they let Russ continue to do what he's doing, I think the Seahawks could be good, but I still don't have a ton of faith in them because we saw what happened last year. So I I, I was talking a lot of shit about the Seahawks, and I'm, I'm backing off slightly, but I still don't think – I still think they're the potentially – the fourth I want to say fourth worst team because I still think they're a pretty good football team but I think they're fourth in that division as of just this moment yeah yeah watch out that a that NFC West oh my god right now holy shit yeah my AFC pick to go to the Super Bowl the LA Chargers get to 1-0 and with a 20-16 to win in Washington over the football team I think the big news here Washington loses Ryan Fitzpatrick probably for the season but he goes on IR yeah he can return but it would be a surprise. Hip injury, I think similar to what Tua went through, a subluxation, I think is what they call it. Yeah, not quite as bad. Taylor Heineke comes in and plays pretty well. 11 of 15, 122 and a score. Antonio Gibson, 90 yards. Washington was in this the whole way. Their defense played very well, mm-hmm. but Herbert and the Chargers offense looked really nice as well. 337 and a touchdown as well as an interception for Herbert. Austin Eckler was all over, 57 yards and a score on the ground. Keenan Allen, nine for 100 yards. By the way, Keenan Allen's a fucking great receiver, in case you didn't know, and most people don't for some fucking reason. So I really liked what I saw out of the Chargers winning a close game. They get a go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter. Not very Charger-like, if you've watched them historically. Disappointing to see Fitzpatrick go down early in this one. Who knows? He may have changed the outcome for Washington. Chargers didn't move the dial for me with Washington. I, I'm ready to see what Heineke can deliver. I don't think it's such a huge drop-off that you need to change the expectations no. by more than a game or two from Fitzpatrick. But I think this is a Washington game that's going to be really competitive this year because of that fucking awesome defense that they've got. Not a whole, Yeah, like you said, not nothing really moves for me here. Um, I think in terms of Washington, you might have – I mean – Fitzpatrick adds a lot with it, with his arm in terms of the spark, but Heineke's you know obviously younger. Looks like he ran a little bit in this game too, and I think he's accurate enough to to keep that team offensively in games. With the Chargers, the one thing that I noticed here that I like to see Mike Williams got involved quite a bit. He's a guy that has a ton of talent. He just can never stay healthy. So if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a big help. And then Jared Cook had a pretty decent game too. And he reminds me of, like, the Gates in that offense now. He's a big guy, experienced, sure-handed, 
can run good routes. Like, there's three really solid receivers. I mean, Keenan Allen's one of the best in the league, but then Mike Williams, who could potentially be a top receiver in the league just based off town loan from a first rounder, and Jared Cook, who is a, a vet in the league. Like, that offense could be very, very solid. So, in terms of Washington, too, Antonio Gibson, I think he's going to have a huge year. He, he was all over the field. They're going to be asking a lot of them now. And Terry McLaurin, too. Watch out. Both those guys probably going to get some volume from Heineke. But Gibson starting behind the line of scrimmage would be pretty nice. That catch by Scary Terry. Holy balls. You're never. You're probably never going to see it on a highlight reel, but one of the best catches I've seen in my whole life was a Terry McLaurin <laughs> catch along the sideline. Fucking insane. Let's go to Carolina. Sam Darnold gets a win over his former team. Revengeable. The revenge win. 19-14. Panthers over the Jets. Zach Wilson for the Jets, I think, impressed, but I think these are kind of sugar numbers. I think this is garbage time talking. They didn't score until the third quarter. Jets are going to be bad. Wilson's going to have a chance to show us something, so we'll see what that is. For the Panthers, Donald looked sharp, 24 of 35, 279 to score, no picks. McCaffrey goes for 98 yards on the ground, another 89 (laughs) yards on nine catches. He's the first overall fantasy pick for a reason. Christian McCaffrey's Christian McCaffrey. I'm waiting to see on on both of these teams, but it was good to see Robbie Anderson. He had a deep touchdown pass, reconnecting with Darnold. They were yep. both on the Jets before. Yep. So our Panthers are on their way, Seth. We took the over on season wins. They get yeah. number one. Jets still suck, though. Yeah, with with the Panthers, and I think with Darnold specifically, he just looked sharp. I think the, the thing with, with the worry with him is that he was indecisive with the Jets and had a lot of turnovers. Complete opposite here with the Panthers. He He was very decisive held onto the ball, didn't make a lot of mistakes. I think it's exactly what he needs to do. I think he's a definite upgrade over Bridgewater. And if so if he can make a few plays with his arms this season, and then obviously if you have McCaffrey there all season, like I think that team, like we've talked about, is going to be better than we than we've thought, than a lot of people thought. So I liked what I saw out of Darnold. Good first game. Really a perfect situation to get your season started against an old team to get some revenge on. Definitely. They got some confidence going forward. So do the Houston Texans who get a nice win over the Jags. 37-21 was the final. This game was not that close. Houston blew the roof off the doors of the Jaguars, as they say. Tyrod (laughs) Taylor looked great, 291 and two scores. Mark Ingram, 26 carries, 85 yards and a score. And Brandon Cooks, five catches, 132. He doesn't score, but Danny Amendola does. I (laughs) I was looking at highlights for this game, Seth. Houston is the island of misfit toys. On this roster. Yep. These are all guys that just couldn't figure it out in other places. I, d- I don't think, all- I don't know that they're a competitive team going forward, but it was really fun to see them just take the pants off of the Jags. And Trevor Lawrence, who looked a little overwhelmed at times. He goes for 332 yards, three touchdowns, but three interceptions as well. We talked about mm-hmm. Urban Meyer. Lots to figure out in Jacksonville. I previously had Jacksonville a little bit higher up than than Houston on my season expectations. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and flip them. I think Houston's going to be a little more competitive than we thought. Now, that's possible they get trounced next week. I don't know. But Jacksonville yeah. looks like they got a lot to figure out. Yeah, I don't think either team will be particularly good. Like you're saying with Houston, though, they do have a lot of vets on that team. Terod Taylor looked really good. Brandon Cooks, talk about underrated players, one of the most underrated receivers in the league, and he's still very, very young. And all three of their running backs, Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, and David Johnson, all scored a touchdown one way or another. They're going to run the ball a lot. Terod Taylor's going to run a lot, too. That defense stinks like a terrible. There's no one on that defense. So I think that's going to be the thing is, like, if they go up against a, a competent offense, like, I, I don't think they're going to be scoring 37 a game. They're going to be probably giving up 37 a game and maybe scoring 20. So 
I don't think either team will be particularly good, but the Texans did look better than I anticipated. Good for Houston, getting win number one on the year. One of the really good games, Kansas City squeaks one out 33-29 to over the Cleveland Browns. This was a competitive ball game. Cleveland handled Kansas City for most of this game. It was very interesting to see. Baker looked good, uh, 21 of 28, 75% completion percentage, 321, no scores. He did throw an interception, though. Nick Chubb, 83 yards, two scores. Kareem Hunt got in the end zone as well. And Jarvis Landry scored on the ground. There are weapons fucking everywhere on Cleveland, and they all got involved. For the Chiefs, though, it's Mahomes. Like, the best thing you can hope for when you're playing against this Chiefs team is you keep them at bay for a while, but eventually Mahomes is coming. And it took Mm -hmm. him a while, but he got it figured out in uh, certainly in the third and fourth quarters through an absolute eyes-closed prayer that Tyreek Hill came down with and took in. Yeah. So Mahomes, 337, three scores. Tyreek Hill, by the way, is a monster. 11 for 197 and a score. Hope you have him on Fuck. your fantasy team. Kelsey got a head yeah, big game as well him. with two scores. Yeah, t- tough if you were playing against either of these teams in fantasy this week. I think I saw enough out of Cleveland, even in the loss, Seth, to say that they mm-hmm. are indeed going to be very competitive and they will be contenders yep. in the AFC. Chiefs are still the Chiefs, though. Yeah, I think there's only three things that are sure in this world. Death, taxes, and the Chiefs coming back from a deficit and winning the, the game in, in the fourth quarter. Like, they do that every single every single game. They are down at some point, and then they come back and win. And it's insane, and it's got to be, like, stressful as a Chiefs fan sometimes to watch them play. But ultimately, they win. Chiefs are the Chiefs. They're still my, they're still my, my AFC pick. But I do think the Browns... I could 100% see this being an AFC championship game, and I could 100% see the the Browns winning it. I think they did exactly what they needed to do. They ran the ball extremely well. Not a ton of mistakes except for the end of the game for Baker. Played pretty mistake-free throughout it, though. Defense was great, and they had a lot of pressure on Patrick Mahomes. I think that the Browns are are a very, very good football team. I I still think they're one of the top in, in the AFC, and I think they could contend with the Chiefs come December yeah. and January. Watch out for Cleveland, man. They showed it. Still in the AFC, we have the Dolphins. Uh, they get win number one on the road against the Patriots. I think it's the first time they've won in Impressive. New England in like 15 years or something. Tua's efficient here, 200 yards and a score. He does have the pick. They spread it around a lot. A lot of guys ran it. I think yeah. five, yeah, I see five rushers and then another seven receivers. So they moved it around a lot. The defense played well. They got some timely turnovers late in the game. I know there was a a punch out from Damian Harris that was really key toward the end when they were going in looking like they might win. For New England, Mac Jones, he he looked good. 29 of 39, 281, Mac Jones. That's our guy McCorkle. He gets uh, his first touchdown pass as well. Damian Harris goes for 100 yards. He's going to have a lot of rush attempts this season, I think. Low scoring Mm -hmm. game, defensive struggle. I think it's what people expected. And again, this is one of those where I, neither team surprises me. You know, good good for Miami yeah. getting the win, but both these teams looked like I expected both these teams to look. Yeah, very impressive for the Dolphins to come in there on the road and, and win that game, especially with the, the Patriots. They have a lot of talent, especially on defense. They played really well, too. I was nervous about this one in terms of my parlay. I'd go and I'll talk about it in a little bit. But I do think the, the, the Patriots are, are going to be a, a very good team, but Dolphins have a great defense. David Howard played really, really well. Tua was, like like you said, efficient, had one mistake, but ultimately that team I think is going to be, I think they're going to be a tough team in the AFC this year. So yeah, the the Dolphins, I, I think they come out of this one for me a little bit more, even more impressive than, than I thought 
kind of going into the week. Someone who looked less impressive than you expected, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Now, I was pretty upset by this because I reached for Rodgers in our fantasy draft. They lose, and don't check your ears on this, 38-3 to at the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. We were picking a beatdown. Everyone in America was picking a beatdown. Vegas got rich yeah. off of this game. Rodgers only 130 yards, two interceptions. Jordan Love sees his first action coming in late in the game <laughs> in relief. Green Bay sucked. They sucked everywhere. They sucked. Yeah. Defense sucked. Offense yeah. sucked. New Orleans, though, quite the opposite. Uh, they looked really good offensively. Alvin Kamara had 83 yards rushing. Defensively, they had several takeaways. They also got to Rodgers at least twice with sacks. But, Seth, story of the week, man. Future comeback player of the year, Jameis Winston. 14 of 20, <laughs> 148 yards, and five, count them, five touchdown yeah. passes, including an absolute fucking missile to Deontay Harris, I think it was, late in the game. I don't want to get overexcited, but if you're a New Orleans fan, I think you are incredibly pleasantly surprised. I still don't think this is a great team. I, I think they're, they still no. end up with a losing record, but a great showing. Packers, on the other hand, I think it's the opposite for both these teams. Like, I don't want to get too excited about the Saints. I don't want to get too down on the Packers. Let's go to week two. Yeah. But they yeah. it's almost like they flipped jerseys before they went out there. This was weird. <laughs> right, yeah. I think, like Roger has said before, R-E-L-A-X, I, I think that... This one was a weird one, especially like playing on essentially neutral field and like some really fucking hot, muggy weather. A lot of excuses, whatever. Ultimately, though, the New Orleans defense, and I think we've said this also, you know, during a previous, that defense is very, very good. They've only continued to prove it here. Still, I'm still not a believer in Jimmy Winston. I know that he had five touchdowns, but prior to that bomb to Deontay Harris, he had four touchdowns for a total of 94 yards like <laughs> that is amazing field position that they got and that's because of their defense and like I said before during our previews that team is going to win a lot of games because of their defense but I just still don't think ultimately they're going to win a lot of games in general I still see them as a eight or so seven eight maybe nine win team at best but talk to me when they have a game where they're down by a score in the fourth quarter because I don't think they win any of those games. I, I think you're right on. I think you're right on there. So. And the Packers will be fine. Packers yeah. will be fine. They have Aaron Rodgers. They have a great offense. Defense is not good, and they had the worst run defense in the league last year. They're going to continue to have the worst run defense in the league, but I, I like they're, they're, they're fine. They're going to be fine. R-E-L-A-X. I love it. D-E-N-V-E-R, the Broncos. They go into <laughs> New York and they get... I had a Denver omelet actually on Monday morning. It was delicious. Mm, oh, yeah. They get the win 27-13 over the New York Giants. Teddy Bridgewater looked nice. 28-36, 264, and two yeah, scores. Man. Melvin Gordon had 100 yards on the ground. Like 75 of those were on one carry on a yeah. big touchdown play that he had. But they also had... Javante Williams had 14 carries as well. So they definitely have that running back tandem going. Jerry Judy leads in receiving but goes down with an injury. They're going to have him out for a while. Six weeks. Six weeks, yeah. So for, for the Giants, Daniel Jones, 267 and a score. They didn't get much out of Saquon Barkley here. He was in the game, 10 carries, but only 26 yards, and he caught one ball for one yard as well. Sterling Shepard, seven catches for 113. So there's a little bit of numbers to look at here for the Giants, but they stink. And again, I don't know that I learned anything new. Giants are going to have a hard time finding wins. Denver, I think, is going to be one of those middle tier. They're going to surprise a couple teams, but they'll win games like this. But you mm -hmm. got to love T and Teddy Bridgewater play play well and get the win in week one. 
Always has. I mean, like we talked about in the in the offseason, especially around the time they were kind of deciding, he's efficient, not going to make a lot of mistakes, get the ball to the receivers. You know, if it's not a deep pass, he's going to get to the ball to the receiver most of the time. So like what I saw to the Broncos, they're, they have a really good defense, efficient offense. I mean, yes, Melvin Gordon scored on a 75-yard touchdown, but he still scored on a 75-yard touchdown. That's mm-hmm. not something that he's in the last couple of years, done a lot of. Looked fast, yep. too. Looked fast, looked slimmer, too. He didn't look quite as big, which is probably good for him, you know, right now. So I, I like that. You know, they have a good tandem there. Kind of bummer for Jerry Judy because he, he looked really good until he went out. The six catches he had was in the first half, I think. So looked really good. Noah Fant played well. I just think that team is, is very solid, and I think they're going to compete with a lot of teams. The Giants are bad, like you said. They do have a good pass defense. They have a couple really, really good corners. And, like, Jerry Judy plays in the slot, so I think that's where a lot of his work came from. But I think that they're—I think the Giants are going to be able to stop some teams through the air, but their run defense is straight-up terrible. So Giants are not going to compete with a lot of teams, but good for the Broncos. I like to see them doing well, especially Teddy. I always have a soft spot for Teddy. Yeah, easy team to root for out there in Denver. Another easy team to root for is the Los Angeles Rams, the future Ooh. champs. Get a 34-14 to <laughs> win over the Chicago Bears— I got to I got to tell you I was a little bit worried going into SoFi Stadium because my Iowa State Cyclones were so disappointing on Saturday. I thought, gosh, yeah. this can't happen to me twice in a weekend, can it? It did not. The Rams pretty fucking quickly <laughs> got rid of all of my concerns after getting a first drive interception. Matt Stafford throws a pass that I will never forget having seen. A uh, big, huge touchdown play to Van Jefferson. Has another huge play later. Uh, deep, deep touchdown to Cooper Cup. And there was, I don't know who was, you couldn't even figure out who was supposed to be guarding Cooper Cup on that touchdown. He was the most open I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stafford yeah. in his debut, 20 of 26, 321, three touchdowns. Darrell Henderson goes for 16 carries, 70 yards and a score. Cup, Jefferson, Higby, Woods, Jackson, all getting involved. Jalen Ramsey was awesome in this. Like, all seeing over him. The place making huge hits like breaking up wide receiver screens coming up getting involved in the running game everyone talks about Ramsey and coverage not enough people talking about him coming up and making hits he fucking blasted a couple of guys it was awesome to see Donald gets a sack duh (laughs) Rams like I said it before about the Cardinals I'll say it again about the Rams here this is a Super Bowl team like look and I know it was the Bears but they played a complete game no mistakes handled their business against a crappy Bears team. Justin Fields does see a little bit of action in there, so I guess that's news. David Johnson goes for 100 yards, so he did expose a little bit of weakness, I think, in that Rams D. But Dalton or Fields doesn't matter. This team sucks. So they got handled, and the Rams are on to the next one, I think. And Bears, I think they're going to struggle this season. I I don't know if Nagy makes it through the year. I think this team that's going to get really ugly. I think, going back to your point about the the, the Rams, like Stafford does everything Goff can do, but better— and also can chuck it deep and is very accurate at that. Like, again, a lot of people talked about it. People who have seen Stafford play a lot, like this guy's a special quarterback and it's awesome to see him doing really well. I I love to see those deep bombs he was chucking and I'm happy to see it. You know, I, I think Stafford has always just been a fun guy to watch and now he's on a really good team. And so I think they're going to go really far to your point about Jalen Ramsey too. Like even not a whole lot last year, like, they're moving him around a lot. Mm-hmm. He's all over the place. They're bringing him up on the line. Typically, his he's been kind of like where Rebus was, where it's he stays in one spot, guards the best guy the other team has, and he just shuts him down. And now they're moving him all over. He's he's fucking going up to the line. He's going on different guys. Like 
they're doing a lot with Ramsey. And so it's cool to see that, and he's continuing to be the best corner in the league, even with that. A lot of times when you move guys around like that and give them different roles, they kinda, it kind of lessens them a little bit. And in this case, like he is better. you know. So good to see that uh, with the Bears. The thing I was most impressed about, though, was the fact that Montgomery ran as well as he did. I kind of thought last year Montgomery, how well he played towards the end of the season, was just basically because of the schedule they had. But I think he's going to be really good. And, of course, Iowa State alum and easy guy to root for because of that, you know, for us too anyway. And, you know, kind of a second-round pick or whatever. So not not a ton of pedigree, just a solid running back. But he's looked really good. And the Rams are no slouch against the run. So be rooting for him this season. But ultimately, yeah, the Bears, they have no pass defense. They lost all of their cornerbacks. They didn't do anything to make them better. They're, people are going to be able to pass on them all year long. They still have Khalil Mack and Rokon Smith, but ultimately that defense is not going to be the Bears' defense of old. I'll tell you this. I forgot Khalil Mack was on the Bears for the entirety of this game. That's that's how much the Rams dominated. That He wasn't even yeah. a factor. I don't think they got a sack. I could be wrong. No, they got at least one sack. I'm actually remembering. But – this was awesome. This was awesome to watch at SoFi. That first play to Jefferson, that first touchdown by Stafford, I know it sounded loud on TV. You have no fucking clue. Like, it was insane. <laughs> I, I think I almost fainted. I was screaming so loud uh, in my seat. It was it was oh, so awesome. So Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. We'll see them back at SoFi in <laughs> February. <laughs> Let's go to Las Vegas. They opened up their new stadium to fans for the first time as well, and they get an overtime win on a walk-off deep ball uh, to Zay Jones of all people, and they beat the Baltimore Ravens 33 to 27. Derek Carr threw it a fuckload of times in this. 56 attempts completes 34 of those for 435 yards, two scores. Does throw a pick here. Josh Jacobs gets two scores. Darren Waller is the only guy they're throwing to if they can help it. I think he had 17 targets. He caught 10 targets. for 19. Yeah. Catches 10 yeah. for 105 and a score. Hope you got him on your fantasy league. Holy shit. Yeah, he's um, a cheat code. The Ravens, they keep getting so damn hurt, and they've got yeah. no wide receivers. They've barely got running backs. This is Lamar Jackson, and that's it. And he played pretty mm-hmm. well in this. He had 235 and a score, added 86 yards yeah. on the ground. I He's he's an amazing player. I don't know if he can drag this Ravens team to many more wins. I, I don't know if they need more receiving help. I, maybe these running backs they just added will get up to speed and be impressive. But the Raiders' offense doesn't scare you, so it's weird to me that no. the Ravens defense that we've really enjoyed gives up this many points to Vegas. And I don't think this is a case of the Raiders being better than we thought. I, I, I still do not think that's this. No. Um, is this the Ravens just dealing with injury, or do you have bigger concerns about Baltimore? So I do have bigger concerns about Baltimore, and I think it's around their offensive line. They got rid of Orlando Brown Jr. to the Chiefs and then replaced him with Villanueva. And Villanueva at one time was one of the best tackles in the league, but he is very old and was very bad last night. And the Raiders do have some good pass rushers, like Carl Nassib. Is that Nassib? Is that what it is? Nassib, I think. Um, He's really good and and had an impact, but he's not that good. And Lamar Jackson, watching him last night, he was not able to run like he normally does. The design runs were not working. For the most part, the times where he was getting, getting free, there wasn't a lot of room for him to go. He still had a decent day in terms of his rushing numbers, but... It didn't look like a normal Lamar Jackson rushing game. Plus, the game went long because of overtime. So, to your point, I don't think the Raiders are better than we thought necessarily. They do this every year, though. They like they beat teams that they probably shouldn't. And 
it's strange, but yeah, I think the Ravens are a little bit in trouble in terms of the offensive line and, and their defense a bit too. Like Marcus Peters is out and he's definitely their number two cornerback, but he is a very, he's probably one of the best number two cornerbacks in the league. Former first round pick, like guy's awesome. So missing him on defense is tough. The Ravens might be in trouble, but Lamar did look very, very good. Even when he did have to throw, he looked sharp and he was making some good plays. So maybe they'll finish third in the division. I don't know. Can be an interesting year if Lamar doesn't get them into the playoffs. It'll he'll have had an MVP season. Like I think that's he's going to have to will them yeah. to wins. It's going to be going to be fascinating. Yeah. I, I'm not expecting much out of Vegas, but if they're a fun team to watch, then that's cool. Like I'm I'm good with that. Yeah, um, I always do like Sam, when they they adding play well. Sammy Watkins. Adding Sammy Watkins, too, I think was, was is a pretty good get for them. He played well, looked good. He has to stay healthy, though. That's always been his thing. He always gets hurt. So if he can stay healthy, and then Marquise Brown looked pretty good, too. So they have some weapons, and it seemed like Jackson was utilizing them. And he was throwing a bit more in this one because he had to. He didn't have a lot of room to run. But, yeah, like you said, he's going to have to basically be the MVP again to <laughs> for them to get anywhere. Oof, full slate of NFL games in week one. This podcast is obviously going really long, but let's give a shout out to Dan and Kyle, who both beat us. Those, they went both 10 and six in their picks. You and I went eight and eight. So pretty okay start for the guys here. A lot, a lot of year here, but Seth, pick them isn't how you get paid. You had a couple of bets out there and from the sounds of it, you had a pretty good week. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Yeah, I had a pretty damn good week in terms of some of my bets. So I made a little bit of money on the DraftKings. I won 10 bucks on the Million Dollar Contest, so that wasn't too bad. Of course, Kyler Murray in that one. Dalvin Cook played really well. Mostert got hurt, so he was out. But I had DeAndre Hopkins as a stack with Kyler Murray. Brandon Cooks I had in that one. Marvin Jones I had in that one. Logan Thomas played pretty well. Didn't hit with Michael Pittman. And then the Texans defense, which defense is almost always a just a throwaway. You're last spot cheapest one you can get so had a pretty good day on the dfs with my main one going to some quick same game parlays i had talked about the panthers hit one there christian mccaffrey over 60 rushing yards over 34 and a half receiving yards weirdly enough he's fucking about tripled his uh, receiving yards total that should be almost i think that should probably be higher every week and then i had sam darnold for one plus passing touchdowns and 25 passing attempts so those all hit that one was my lower, my lowest parlay of the week at plus 135, but uh, it was a free bet, so I went with the lower one. And then I also hit on a parlay, my other parlay that I hit. First time ever betting on a Viking, putting money on a Vikings game in general. I've, I've had them on like my DFS and stuff, but I've never put money on the Vi- like an actual Vikings game before. And so that one did hit, and that one was Dalvin Cook. It was a five-leg parlay. Plus 1,400, 1,466. Uh, Dalvin Cook scoring a touchdown. Joe Mixon scoring a touchdown. Joe Mixon over 22.5 receiving yards. Dalvin Cook over 22.5 receiving yards. And Adam Thielen over 59.5 yards. The only one that was relatively close was Joe Mixon. I think he had 23 receiving yards. Oh, shit. <laughs> so luck- luckily that one hit. That was good. And then my the biggest parlay of the day, uh, I felt really strong about the underdogs that we talked about. So obviously I the Eagles, I thought they would win that game. Smoked them. Cardinals I thought they'd win that game smoked them I was about ready to cash out because the Dolphins played in the afternoon they were my third one decided to stick it out that one was plus 11 uh, 1100 and uh, a $10 wager 123 bucks so overall uh, all those parlays and my DraftKings is about a $240 net weekend for winnings so 
very happy with that. Included in that also was a an Iowa no-brainer bet, which basically was if the Iowa-Iowa State game, you could double your money up to $50 if a team scored a point. So that was nice. Thanks, FanDuel. <laughs> I also got uh, $100 free dollars for credit. So really, it was closer to like a $400 total weekend with everything included. So Shit. A lot of fun gambling for week one. Hopefully, we'll keep the momentum going on to next week. Man, that's a good that's a good weekend. I spent a shitload of money in L.A., so you came out net-wise quite a bit better than <laughs> Old Co. I, I didn't get to make any bets. California doesn't allow it, and Oregon's app sucks. But this weekend, I'm at home, so uh, we'll see how I do. You guys got to follow Seth if you want to get some of that cash. Show me the money! <laughs> Love that. Also, glad the Vikings were able to come through for you in one way. Cause, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's helpful. That is Seth's bets for this week. We're going to do a very quick version of some game previews. So take another sip of water, Seth. We're going to dive in. It's coming right for us! Week two. Let's get into our pigskin pick'em. We're going to kick off Thursday night football, the Giants at Washington. The line here, Washington is favored by three and a half points. I'm going to take them in this to cover I think that defense is going to smother the Giants, and I think Taylor Heineke will have a nice-looking game against a bad Giants defense. Also, give me Antonio Gibson in every daily fantasy. I think he has a huge game. Yep, I agree with you on that one. I don't know if Taylor Heineke has a great great game just because I know the Giants do have a really good pass defense, but I do think Gibson has a huge game. Logan Thomas, look for him to have a good game too in the middle of the field. So I agree with you on this one. The Bengals are getting two and a half points. They go to Chicago to play the Bears. I love the Bengals in this one, Seth, as dogs. Give me yeah. the two and a half points and the Bengals on the road. The money line, by the way, on FanDuel plus uh, 120. is plus 128. I would throw that in your underdog parlay this week if you haven't already. Yeah. I, I like the Bengals here. I do too. Yeah, I, I was about to say, I think that's one that, I think they win this one outright. Here's a tricky one. Cleveland will host the Houston Texans. The line here, minus 12 and a half points. I know Houston showed well, but I think Cleveland's going to make an example of them this week. So it, it, mm-hmm. I, I'm nervous about it, but I'll take Cleveland to cover the massive spread at home. I also agree. Just narrative on this one. I think the Browns are looking to recover from kind of a just a, a disappointing loss uh, game they had against the Chiefs early on. So being at home against the Texans, I think they're going to win this by a couple touchdowns. They like to beat teams down, too, when they can. So the Colts in Indianapolis are getting three and a half points at home against the L.A. Rams. I'm going to take the Rams to cover. I just think every weakness the Colts have shown is a strength of the Rams by a lot. So I think a lot of people are looking at this as like a really good matchup. I think it's a huge mismatch if you look within the game. Give me the Rams going away. Agree with you again. I think the Rams are just... I think they won this one by at least by at least a touchdown too. I think the Rams look really good, and the Colts are just needing some time to to get it together. Yep. Interesting matchup here: Miami at home against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, line here: Miami plus three and a half. I'm gonna home pups. I'm gonna take Miami. I'm get yeah. I'm getting three and a half. I love what Miami's defense did in Week One. The Bills have showed some holes in their armor. I I don't like the idea of betting on an zero and two Bills team to start the year, but I. I got to take the three and a half at home. It feels crazy, but it doesn't it look right, Seth? Yeah, I agree. I home underdogs, home puppies. I I'm going I'm going with the Dolphins and I what's the line what's the money line in this? Can you pull it up quick? Oh yeah, money line for the Dolphins plus 158. So there's another one. You going to make money on the Dolphins right, twice right in a row? Now, right now I kind of like putting together the Bengals and Dolphins to see if I can add someone else in there, maybe do it two week in a row. 
I love this. I wouldn't recommend this next game. The Jets are home dogs. They get five and a half points against the New England Patriots. Patriots didn't show a lot of high flashy offense, but I think give me Mac Jones to throw a couple TDs in this one and win by a touchdown. Yeah. I am going to take the Patriots to cover. I agree with you on this one as well. So far, we are on the same ones entirely. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think this is Mac Jones. This is going to be him showing like, all right, last week was that was a tough loss. This is why they picked me number one, and this is what we can really be. I think they're going to smoke the Jets. I think this is a two-score game. This is a tough one next. Eagles are at home, plus three and a half. Another home pups here. The Niners are coming to town. Niners looked really good. Eagles looked better than we expected. I'm debating whether to go bold and pick the Eagles. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Give me the Eagles plus three and a half to shock us. I don't know if they're going to win it. Maybe they keep it within a field goal and Hurts runs around like crazy. I'm not going to be shocked if I'm way wrong on this one and and San Francisco blows them out, though. But give me the Eagles. want to get a little fancy here. Yeah, here's our first difference. I'm going with the Niners in this one. I think the Niners are a little bit more fit to shut down Hurts. They have, I mean, of course, they have Joey Bosa on the edge. I think a little less running room for Hurts and probably more pressure on him. And so I don't know if there's going to be quite as easy throws for him. I liked what I saw out of him. But I also think that the Niners are, are going to be coming in there with a little bit of, little bit of steam. So I, I think the Niners win this one. Yeah. There, and cover. There you go. Seth's got the Niners to cover. Uh, just for shits and gigs, Eagles plus 160 on the money line if you think they're going to win this one. Yeah. Which I would love to see. I don't like that. I, I would, might be wishful thinking. I need, I need the Niners yeah. to lose. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> Here we go. Steelers are at home, and they're five-and-a-half-point favorites over the Raiders. I'm taking Pittsburgh to cover. I think they are really going to have have their way with the Raiders. I think they're going to be all over Derek Carr. You know what? I'm going to go. I I, I kind of want to pick the, the the Raiders just with some of the momentum maybe coming off Monday night. But I also could see that working the opposite way of them. Like they, they won a game they shouldn't have, and it was a pretty exciting game, so they might be a little drained on a short week. I'll go with the Steelers in this one, but I would not be surprised if the, if the Raiders cover here and keep it close. Panthers at home, plus three and a half. I got a feeling, I know where you're going with this one, Seth. Give me Carolina. I think Give the Saints are coming back down to earth. Darnold, I don't know. This this is one we could look really dumb on if the Saints defense I, plays as well as it did again. But I, I'm with you. I'm taking the Panthers and Darnold to, to plus three and a half to get this at home. We might have found my third leg. What's that money line? Our money line on the Panthers, looking at the FanDuel Sportsbook, of course, plus 180. We're doing it. Put that together real quick. So we got uh, the money Panthers, line. Dolphins... Bengals? Yes. Three-leg parlay. Plus 15 hunch. 15.47 on the positive. I like that one. Put 10 bucks on that. You go All walk right. away with 150 bucks. That might be my, my parlay of the week. The the bet of the week. I don't know. We'll have to come up with a name for it. Yeah, there you go. Your, your lock of the night. We'll put like a, a jail cell closing or something like that. I don't know if it's a lock. But it's, well, you said it was a nod. something that I feel good about. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I, I like that as well. In fact, I may have a couple bucks on that myself. We'll see. Maybe we can both get rich. There you go. Here's another candidate, Seth. Home pups. Jacksonville plus no. six and a half <laughs> against Denver, who's coming to town. Yeah, I'm just Josh and give me Denver to cover here. <laughs> yeah, let's go with Denver on that one. And I hate to do this, but the, the Cardinals are at home. They play your Minnesota Vikings. Cardinals are four and a half point favorites. I know you're not going to get like plus money on Arizona. It's minus 120 for them to cover. 
Honestly, dude, I would still hammer the fuck out of this bet. I think Arizona looked yeah. really nice. Minnesota's got question marks, so Arizona going away. I think four and a half is low on the spread for this one. I think you put a one in front of that four, and it probably would still hit at this point. So I did it last week. I, I chose the Vikes against my, my normal judgment. See what happens? You convinced me last week. I, I went <laughs> against my normal judgment and picked the Vikings to cover, and look what happened. They lose the game. So... I'm going back to my normal, my normal, uh, my normal plan, my normal judgment, my, my normal thought process. Picking against them every single week, and we're going to get, we're going with the Cardinals. <laughs> Cardinals home favorites. Give me the Bucks to cover as well. They got a huge spread, twelve and a half yep. point favorites over the Falcons, who look shitty. Flip the two and the one. Yeah. Flip the two and a one, and I think it still hits. Tampa by a thousand. You can maybe get an alternate money line at, at like eighteen and a half and play that. I, I like Tampa. A huge victory in this. Play all your fantasy guys. They're all having huge games. Ooh, this oh, this one's really hard, Seth, because I have conflicting interests. The Chargers are at home. Fun game. Their opener in SoFi Stadium. They're two and a half favorites against the Dallas Cowboys. I got to take the Cowboys plus two and a half, honestly. Dak impressed. Yeah. I think that that offense looked good. The defense for the Chargers was was good. It's regarded as not one of the top in the league, to be frank. So I like a shootout in this. Give me the over, which yeah. is currently set at 55 and a half. I don't care. Give me the over on that because neither team can defend very well. But as much as I hate to do it, I'm going to take the Cowboys. Here's what I'll say. Cowboys plus two and a half, but the Chargers win by a point. That, that's how I get out of it. You know what? I was going to go with the Cowboys, but just for the fun of it, for the sake of it, I'll go minus two and a half for the Chargers. Hey, that's a smart man right there. Chargers by a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> we go to Seattle. They are five and a half point favorites over the Tennessee Titans. It feels like a big line, but again, this is a case where the strength of Seattle last week was getting pressure on the quarterback and stuffing the run, and Tennessee was poor at both of those. Russ is doing his early season cooking. I, I guess give me Seattle to cover this one. I hate that I'm saying it, but uh, I, I like the Seahawks. You think Titans are bouncing back or what? I don't know if they win this game, but I think five and a half is a lot, and I think that they come out there and look better than they did last week. So they will be able to run. Derrick Henry's going to have a big game. I, I don't think there's any way he doesn't have a big game. So I'm going with the plus five and a half for the Titans here. My fantasy team hopes you're right. We've got a lot of Derrick Henry. so I, go, I think he goes for at least 150 against, the, against Seattle, and if that's the case, then... That's going to be a close game. There's a potential same-game parlay. The money line, by the way, Seth, 198. So if you think the Titans are getting uh, getting a win on this, you could parlay that with Henry. That's... Might win some bucks. I think the Chiefs are money in the bank on the road at Baltimore. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites. God, this is right. Again, we get back to the thing. They beat the, they beat the Browns last week, but don't cover. Uh, I think they cover yeah. this time against Baltimore. It's rare, but I think they do it. Baltimore's got a lot of questions to answer. I'm going to go with the Ravens just because I the Chiefs never cover. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I'm going to – I think if I continue that way all season, it, it, for the most part, it'll, it'll pay off. But I don't know if the Ravens, you know, I, I, kind of the opposite reason of the Raiders, like coming off of a tough loss, they need to, to kind of correct the ship. Again, I don't think that they lose, but I think they keep it close. So I'm, I'm going with the, the Ravens here. That's Sunday night football. Monday night football goes to Lambeau. The Packers are ten and a half point favorites over the Detroit Lions. I gotta take the line. I gotta take the ten and a half here. I, I do because I don't think that the Packers are better defensively than the Niners. And the Lions showed some fight and Goff threw it around. I think this is a game that the Packers win, maybe by a touchdown or ten points. But that half point hook, you know, maybe this is a, a 21-31 win for the Packers. So I, I like the Lions to at least be, you know, in the same city at the end of this one. So I'll take them plus 10 and a half. I'm going to go with the Packers. I don't feel great about it, 
but history has shown that when Aaron Rodgers loses a game that he is not happy about, he comes back the next week and is a psycho. <laughs> so I, I just I just think that there's going to be a lot, uh, especially at home, the home opener for the Packers coming off a tough loss. There's going to be a lot of uh, and and in prime time, like the Lions never play in prime time. I, I just think that I think the Packers are coming out of this one with a mission. I, I, I think that they win this one probably, I think, by 17 at least. I would like to see it. I, I do want to see a competitive Packers team this year, so hopefully they do bounce back. But uh, old JG still wants to toss it around, so we'll see if the Lions can stay in it. Again, if you want to compete with us in Pigskin Pick'em, there's a link in the description box. Jump on in, see if you can beat Seth or myself or Kyle and Dan, who tie for the season-long lead. So we'll see. We'll see who can beat us in Pick'em. Seth gave you a nice parlay. Uh, you can get plus 1,500 on the Bengals, Dolphins, and Panthers to all win. So chance to win some money and a uh, little bit of an advantage for y'all in the Pigskin Pick'em against us. So that is our weekly preview. It's coming right for us! And, of course, we're way over time, so let's hurry up and get you one more thing so we can wrap this thing up. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. So we follow news from around the league, obviously, and so Google will send me a lot of local news from all the different teams. And I was getting ready for week one and noticed something hilarious about different cities reacting or uh, prefacing their, their week one matchups. You had like Green Bay, their headline was, here's five reasons why Green Bay will blow out New Orleans. The Rams, here's three reasons why the Rams should handle the Bears. And then Detroit, theirs said, could Detroit possibly come out with a week one win? Like, I had to love that because it's just like, oh, maybe we'll, like, everybody else is so confident. Even, like, Jacksonville is like, we're going to go house Houston. Detroit's yeah. like, maybe we'll score. And, you know, they obviously over overperformed that. But I love the sense of That's realism. The Lions. Yeah, that, that is the Lions. They're, they know they know what to expect out of their guys. So I, I just thought that was pretty funny. No matter what city you're in, I've always thought the Browns were like way too optimistic about themselves, but now it's justified. So it's just funny to see city yeah. to city how, how teams, what the expectation is for various teams. Obviously sky high in L.A. The Lions have just been beaten down for so long. They were wearing bags on their heads. So good for them to see them, you know, especially how, how much negative – kind of press came out of, out of that Stafford trade. It's good to see them play well. So my one more thing for the week, and my favorite thing that I saw besides the Manning cast in terms of broadcasting this week was Sunday Night Football. You didn't get to see this because you were at the stadium, but during the broadcast, there was a point in the game where, you know, of course, Stafford was slinging it and playing really well and blah, blah, blah. So, of course, like they do, broadcasts show the spouses or family members. In this case, Kelly Stafford in the crowd talking to someone, having a good time, laughing, cut to commercial and come back and then show a different woman with Kelly, Kelly Stafford underneath her. And uh, they apparently showed a woman who was not Kelly Stafford on the screen the first time. Oh, God. So they completely <laughs> fucked that one up. The woman that they showed, I thought she looked a little, I mean, she was attractive, but looked a little bit older than Stafford, Matt Stafford would be potentially be be married to. And then the woman that they brought on screen, I'm like, okay, yep, that definitely looks like someone who's in her, you know, early to mid thirties. So, um, <laughs> funny mix up by by the NBC crew. And actually, um, I think today 
there was a picture posted online of Kelly Stafford with the woman. They they showed as Kelly Stafford. So they had a little bit of a kind of funny interaction afterwards and made made light of it. But NBC, if you're going to be showing the spouses of a player, especially one who hasn't been on TV a lot, I know Kelly Stafford has probably never been on a broadcast before because the Lions never had TV cameras at their games. <laughs> <laughs> they maybe should do a little research before they uh, you know show anyone on the screen. So I thought that was pretty funny. Chris Collinsworth tried covering up for it, but he had to slide away from the screen that one an embarrassment <laughs> nice the Collinsworth slide man good to see that back this year though dude great to see the Collinsworth slide back I it is so fun like especially Sunday night football the the, the Stafford thing first of all yeah you gotta watch out you're gonna get a dude in trouble if you're like hey this is the person yeah. that he sleeps with and it's wrong that's potentially <laughs> gonna cause some problems in that guy's life but Sunday night football bonus one more thing I was really bummed I, t- I told you about this I was bummed that the Rams game was Sunday night football because I always get so hyped for Carrie Underwood to sing the Sunday night football opening that theme first time yeah. especially the first time of the season dude it is electric even at home like we I, I know you remember we'd be hooping and hollering and yelling in the oh. fucking house throwing slices of dominoes everywhere it's just it's so yeah. awesome <laughs> I was so happy they put up Carrie Underwood in SoFi Stadium. And Rich Eisen was hosting a, a game opening thing, like a ceremony to open the stadium. And then he said, you know, it's time for the game on Sunday Night Football. And they fucking, they hit the guitar, Dan. And she comes in, oh, oh, oh. And I was like, lose. I probably was louder during that than, than a couple of the touchdowns that they scored. So <laughs> just so you know, if you go to SoFi for Sunday Night Football, you're going to get to see Carrie. And if for no other reason, that's, that's a good enough one to buy a ticket. So that was fucking awesome, man. That was so dope. And so we got uh, Sunday night's about to happen. Waiting all day for Sunday night, man. I was there. I think there was video of me singing. <laughs> I'll see if I can dig it up and get it posted. But we got uh, we got Carrie. There's only one Carrie Underwood, but there are two Kelly Staffords. And um, <laughs> Detroit talks talks about their team a lot differently than some of the others. Uh, that's what we got in one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. All right, y'all. We got to go catch our breath. We talked a lot of football. Uh, we went crazy long. Honestly, you guys probably set the expectation this show is going to be longer than an hour. I don't know how we're going to cram everything we want to do in, in 60 minutes, but yeah. we'll do it as quickly as we can for you so that you can get all the info, get your bets, get your picks going into the weekend. And uh, we hope everybody enjoys week number two. You'll see us here in seven days to recap week two, get you ready for week again. three. We're going to run it back another 16, 17 times. So uh, get used to the format. Join us on the Pigskin Pick'em. Hit the link in the description. Take Seth's betting advice. He's a big winner on week one. So get that money coming into week two as well. We got to go drink some water, folks. So we're going to wrap it up there. For Seth Ott, I've been Cody Michael. See you next time. Bye.